Hey guys, this is Rich Bokini. This is the Princess of Pro Wrestling, SoCal Val. Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model. This is Holiday. This is Steve Young. E-F-F-Y-F-E. And you're listening to the only podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reppin' show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reppin' show. Hello everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. That would have to be the whole ref and show. My name is Perry Smith. My name is Darren Beasley. Darren, you had quite a weekend. You had quite a weekend over in Hogtown, as you like to say, uh, day before Mother's Day, where you attended uh, a little indie show, a little indie promotion we call Fest Wrestling, because that's their name. Uh, I usually like to call things by their name. Right. Uh, usually like to uh, sum things up with the truth. And uh, there's nothing little. There's nothing little about the independent Fed known as Fest Wrestling. Nothing little. They go big. They go big. Uh, former Fest Wrestling champion, uh, now current WWE superstar, uh, Ruby Riot, a.k.a. Ruby Riot, because uh, the extra T's. Uh, also, uh, TNA stars in and out, uh, some uh, people in NXT, Denny Birch, uh, aka Martin Stone, formerly uh, wrestling with uh, Fest Wrestling. So, uh, a lot of indie, huge indie names making their way to Fest Wrestling. Obviously, this had Joey Ryan uh, in the main event, the last Fest show. We're going to talk about that. Uh, in our headlines department, though, we got some stuff to talk about. Some uh, some some interesting headlines here. Uh, a message from Vince McMahon to Kevin Owens uh, regarding Kevin Owens' size. Uh, current update on Enzo Amore's legal troubles. Also, an update on the WWE. Uh, where is Raw going to end up? Apparently, NBC makes a pretty big bid. We're going to get into that. Uh, and, of course, we uh, are going to... Sit around the campfire so Grandpa Darren can tell us all about what happened at Fest Wrestling. Bring your mom to uh, in Gainesville at eight seconds, and uh, sounds good to me. I want to hear about that. I want to sit by the fire with you, Darren, and eat some delicious s'mores. Well, um, okay, that's cool. I don't have s'mores fixins, okay, but I can rub two sticks together and make us a uh, fire. Ah, well, that sounds good. I want to hear some more about Fest Wrestling, but before we can do that, <laughs> before we do that, we got to talk about them. Headlines. Vince McMahon to Kevin Owens lose some weight. Which is nothing new. We've, we've known for a very long time that Vince McMahon has not appreciated Kevin Owens' size. Uh, he's been kind of uh, on Kevin Owens for a very long time. He actually, Vince McMahon, made a rare appearance on television once where he confronted Kevin Owens about his behavior and, of course, threw in a little jab about his weight, about him not respecting himself, and say, he said that was obvious. Um, and that's when Kevin Owens headbutted right. Vince McMahon. Um, so, yeah, so this is news, but not really news, but it seems like Vince McMahon might be at the end of his rope, uh, as far as his whole weight situation as Kevin Owens. Darren, what do you think? Well, I think Vince McMahon needs to take a Valium and reassess what's important. Kevin Owens is one of the most talented people under contract to Vince McMahon. Kevin Owens' weight 
has been uh, with Kevin Owens throughout his professional wrestling career. It does not hinder his ability. I don't think it is, at least in the short term, any type of threat to his health. Um, I don't know that it damages his merch. It's just something that Vince McMahon, who is an egomaniac and <laughs> uh, vain to a fault, and thinks that he and everyone else should look like Hulk Hogan circa 1987. It's his problem. It's a Vince McMahon problem. It's not a Kevin Owens problem. It's not a weight problem. It's a vanity problem. Vince really needs to lay off. I mean, it's one thing to encourage people that are overweight to lose weight, right? We could all be healthier. We should all seek to live our best lives, live our longest possible lives and enjoy our days. And hell, for a professional athlete and performer, yeah, you want to feel your best, perform at your highest level. And yes, you want to look your best. But is it worth threatening his place on the card? I mean, all reports are that Vince says to Kevin Owens, lose the weight or lose your spot. Well, for starters, Kevin Owens lost his spot a long time ago. Right. There's no way WWE has any intentions of making a champion within the next five years, right? Come on. No, I really don't think so, which is a shame, but he already lost his spot. The moment he ended up with Jericho, he lost his spot because after that it was, are we going to try and do something? No, 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 no. Just now with Sami Zayn. And that's not to say it hasn't created a lot of great moments because it has, but it's just like any time that you put Hulk Hogan and there's twice I've already mentioned Hulk Hogan in the 30 seconds we've been on the air. <laughs> but it's just like when you would put Hulk Hogan into a tag team for a little while. You only did it so that you would have the ability to put the world championship on someone else. Or like giving the U.S. title to Ric Flair in 1996 in WCW. It's like, okay, what are you doing? I mean, that's cool. It elevates the U.S. belt, just like Kevin Owens helps elevate Sami Zayn. Hulk, but... Hulk Hogan was not in just some tag team, Darren. Uh, they were called the Mega Powers, okay? And they were the greatest tag team ever assembled. Okay, well, okay, that's true. But I wasn't even talking about that. I was thinking more about him and Brutus. Him and rebuilt face Brutus. And it's like, <laughs> you know... Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Hulk Hogan can exist without having to have this weird constructed downgrade. I, I understand. Uh, Kevin Owens, it's hard to imagine Kevin Owens without the belly. You know what I mean? Like, like try to close your eyes and imagine a svelte Kevin I, Owens. It just, it looks I wrong. It looks weird. I don't even want that. Who wants that? Yeah, he would, if Kevin Owens lost that aspect of himself he, he would just look like everyone else and that's the last thing you want to do in the wwe the, the, the point is moot i mean basically it is vince mcmahon just saying like i am the boss and i will get my way you know like eventually you will because i told you to um if kevin owens i mean worst case scenario kevin owens gets fired from wwe because of this which would not happen he goes to roh and 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 fucking tears it up like oh oh no i'm gonna tell you right now i mean 
Kevin Owens with two small children uh, and a pretty comfortable life in Orlando. Uh, as far as I know, that's the last I've heard about his personal life. Uh, yeah, I doubt he wants to uproot um, for the sake of his family. But for the sake of his career, you're absolutely right. If Kevin Owens packed his bags and, and, and went the way of like Cody and all of a sudden he was on ROH and he's in New Japan and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, Kevin Owens would be a huge deal outside the WWE these days. I, I you know, and, and we don't have to talk about it now, but man, I, we did mention it a while back and, and we still haven't seen it, but that day of reckoning, that day of reckoning, I believe, is coming when there is not just the typical WWE culling, but a voluntary exodus where we see like a dozen people that would be top stars on the independent scene all of a sudden become top stars on the independent scene. Right. It's. I mean, we, we talked about this before many times in the show. The uh, WWE is reaching critical mass or they have too much talent, not enough hours of wrestling. And I don't know if the fans could take more hours of wrestling. I mean, people complain about Raw being too long as it is already. So, I mean, if, if like 20 people all got together and said, hey, man, let's get out of here and start something else. Like it, it would I could totally see that happening. And it would be successful it because would. imagine like and I'm not saying that the, I'm not saying your title holder like these. These first couple of examples I'm going to give are not good examples because these guys are kind of locked down. Not only are they successful at the moment, but I think greater success is ahead for people like Aleister Black and like the Undisputed Era. But just say, for example, just for the sake of this conversation, uh, six months from now, all of a sudden ROH was able to pick up. I'm not saying ROH could afford it, but just for the, again, for the sake of argument, uh, ROH just. They just all of a sudden they picked up Alistair Black, Roderick Strong, Kevin Owens, Oni Lorcan, Sami Zayn. Just that. Let's just say they somehow got that. All of a sudden, that is momentous. I mean, you almost have enough talent that if it decided to pack up and you could have somebody out there willing to open their checkbook, PWG could become as big as ROH with that type of talent overnight. So, you know, Triple H needs to keep an eye on what VKM is doing because that's been the whole purpose of gobbling up all this talent over the last five years. You don't want to see Prince Devitt back in New Japan. That would be devastating. It would be. WWE. It would be devastating. <laughs> it would. It would be devastating. <laughs> This is true. So I guess McMahon, again, final ultimatum for Kevin Owens, shape up or ship out. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I feel like the last time this was a big deal, Owens lost a little bit of weight, but then kind of slid back into it, which happens with diets. I mean, Lord knows. I've been there, my friend. I've been there and back again, a hobbit's tale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well... Wrestlers may come or may go. We never know. Uh, speaking of wrestlers who may resurface on the indies, Enzo Amore uh, very recently uh, on his Twitter released a, uh, what, I guess, a letter from uh, his uh, representatives, his uh, his lawyer, his legal counsel, 
I even know the, the charges being dropped against him basically is what the, the letter had to say. Yeah, the letter kind of covered this whole situation from start to what is presumably, uh, in terms of legal matters, finished. Um, and that is this case of sexual harassment, even sexual assault, sexual misconduct, if you will, uh, charges being levied against Enzo Amore, former NXT superstar, WWE cruiserweight champion. Enzo was released by WWE, one, because no tolerance for any type of uh, domestic abuse or sexual misconduct. It's not a one, two, three. It's far more severe than the wellness policy. It's zero tolerance. So you understand that. You also understand that Enzo supposedly hid all of this information about charges uh, being levied against him from the WWE. So they fired him also for, I guess, what was tantamount to insubordination. But the letter from Enzo's attorney that was released spells out the entire situation and says the claims were invalid from the beginning, that all of this originated on social media before there were legal charges, before anything was brought to the attention of Enzo Amore, it came out on social media, which I think we all felt was a little fishy to begin with, but peoples is peoples. You never know what someone is capable of doing, uh, regardless of how you may feel about them or their public persona. So it was sort of a, in a sense, proven guilty, but sounds kind of guilty right well on social media though it, it seems like whenever a story breaks any kind of story it's guilty until proven innocent right and that's that is of course incredibly unfortunate that's not how the world should work that's not how uh, the u.s justice system is designed nevertheless it is the world that we live in and enzo uh went the way of the dodo as far as wwe is concerned and has laid low Enzo Dodo laid low. That's right. We haven't heard peep out of this guy, and uh, you know maybe that's that maybe that's Enzo's version of keeping his nose clean. You know, uh, let's not get out there and bring a lot of attention to ourselves until the negativity can can be washed away, and it seems like it has. The letter from his attorney essentially restates what I've just said. And then goes on to say that the actual legal aspect did not arise until after the social media accusations. And they were essentially founded on nothing. There was an equal amount of social media backlash against the individual who was making these claims that sought to and apparently succeeded in discrediting her and... Now his attorney goes on to say, all charges are dropped, no more investigation will be conducted, and the case is closed. I think I read something along the lines of charges were never even filed, <laughs> is, is what I read. Well, like, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There, there's, no, there's no evidence to charge him in the first place. Right, exactly. And, uh, and it's, it's worth mentioning that WWE's removal of Enzo Amore from the uh, roster... Um, I mean, obviously had something to do with this whole this whole case showing up, but 
Mostly it was because Enzo did not mention anything to WWE that it was going on. But according to Enzo, he was he was unaware that it was happening until it was already on social media. Correct. And I think that that is, uh, as has been uh, the, the crux of his personal defense, the, the defense of his job. Now, it was up to his attorney to make sure that the rest of the actions were defended. But I think Enzo has maintained from the beginning, hey, even the very least of this, which is the reason WWE fired him, even that very, very small part of it uh, was not even really true. Right, so Enzo's saying, bada boom, innocentest guy in the room, how you doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, at this point, it seems like they'd almost rather have Enzo Amore under contract than his former partner, Big Cass, who, uh, I mean, I don't know that he's got any type of legal troubles, but, I mean, come on, this guy, he's setting up stores for hell backstage i mean he's not making friends right yeah we talked about big cast in the last episode going off script um and wwe not being too happy about it so i mean until uh, he, he's he's gonna be fine obviously you have to kind of take take your lumps uh for a while and then you're back back in the spotlight doing what you're supposed to be doing in the first place but until kurt hawkins goes over on him sh- she should be okay he should be he should be but what about enzo are we gonna see enzo back on wwe programming Probably no time soon, but I can see it down the road, sure. Reports are that Don Callis, who is in charge of creative for Impact Wrestling, uh, made it clear on a conference call that he would certainly entertain the idea of signing Enzo Amore to an Impact contract. Mm. Now, the weirdest part about that whole thing is going to be the fact that he won't be Enzo Amore. That's, That's definitely worth mentioning, yes. There's a lot of stuff he won't be able to do. I mean, he's not <laughs> going to be called Enzo. Can't say how you doing, I bet. You know, I mean, there's probably, it's like, now, if anybody can come up with a new shtick pretty quickly, I'm pretty sure it's uh, Eric Art, the man behind Enzo Amore. Uh, but he can't go by Eric Art either because that last name is too hard to say. <laughs> Uh, Enzo's basically just got to wear like a bed sheet with the eye holes cut out, uh, dressed up like a ghost coming to the ring because everything else is so Enzo Amore. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it, it'd be, it'd be really difficult oh, to call him. the ghost of impact. <laughs> I can see them doing that. That's like a total WCW move from like, uh. Oh, okay. Boo, boo, how are you doing? <laughs> Bada boo. Deadest guy in the room. Yes, bada boo. <laughs> much, much different from bada boom. Yeah, yeah. WWE has probably not copyrighted bada boo. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they thought that far ahead. Uh, well, they have to check the uh, check the the patents <laughs> and the copyrights uh, on that one. Um, and it might not be up to WWE eventually if Enzo or people like Enzo even make their way back to WWE. Uh, the stockholders at WWE are having more and more control over the product because uh, this NBC deal, man, it was looking a lot like uh, Raw was going to end up on Fox. Um, however, NBC offered uh, thrice the amount of money uh, to keep <laughs> to keep Raw on their on their networks. Pretty crazy. That's a lot of money. Poor SmackDown Live, though. NBC doesn't really care about keeping SmackDown Live. 
Yeah, does that make sense? No. Why would you why would you pay three times the amount for Raw and then not want to renew SmackDown? Right. So you know they have to be paying less for SmackDown than they pay for Raw in the first place. Right. So just give them those two hours on Tuesday night. Because if you don't, they're not going to, like, pack it up and do away with it. You know Vince McMahon's just going to sell it to another network. I mean, maybe that's the best thing possible for a brand split. They they can do less cross-promotion. True, true. The, the commercial breaks will be different because they're, you know, two different companies, two different – I mean, you, they, it could actually work uh, in, their, in their favor – but I, but I think that one of the things uh, that WWE does do is the intense cross promotion. It'd be a conflict of interest because you, if let's well, say sure. well, say SmackDown Live ends up on I think Fox Sports where they're going to put it. Had they purchased all of Raw and SmackDown Live, I mean, can you advertise a show that's on uh, NBC or USA? And I mean, for, I mean it's it's kind of like. Um, Back when ECW, WWECW was on Sci-Fi Channel, and then like Raw was on USA. I mean, for those who don't know, NBC owns both those channels, so that wasn't a big deal. Like th- those are all within the NBC umbrella. I used to work under the NBC umbrella. It's quite large, but no, Fox and NBC are not the same thing. So how would you promote shit that's going on on SmackDown Live or vice versa? Also, this proves to me that NBC doesn't really know anything about. Uh, the actual wrestling product because the, the the characters and the wrestlers are interchangeable between shows. How would you do like a Survivor Series situation where it's Raw versus SmackDown? Like there would have to be a, a, a large extra section of legal literature for the the shows to be able to refer to each other. Like it's it's just it it doesn't make, it doesn't jive with me, right? Well, no, and I feel you on that, and it, it shouldn't jive with you. It's it, That would be problematic. The Like I said, the only advantage would be is if you really took the situation as an opportunity to more greatly diversify the offering and really distinguish between the two products, the two brands, and stop making them just two sides of the same coin. Really push the fact that they're two separate brands that has limited interaction and limited acknowledgement. But guess what? Now that you're co-branding the pay-per-views, that makes that all the more problematic. Another good point. What you have to do is let me interject here to make this, what I'm about to say, make more sense. The current deals are still 18 months away from expiring. So it's not until September of 2019 that either of these shows are going to go anywhere. Now, in the world of television entertainment conglomerates and a publicly traded company like WWE and a megalomaniac like Vincent Kennedy McMahon, (laughs) these types of business deals have to be constructed, uh, finalized, or at least initiated 18 months in advance But for you or I, for just the wrestling viewer, that 18 months is an eternity. And it's very likely the entire brand split could be over with by the time 
that date approaches. That's a very good point. 18 months can go by very quickly. It's it's almost like Jay Leno announcing on The Tonight Show that Conan was going to take his place in four years, and it was like, oh yeah, like four years will ever happen. Well, then four years came, and it was like, oh god, it's been four years already. So, I mean, I, I hope they already have an exit strategy. Now, I mean, it's the co-branding of the pay-per-views is one thing, but then... What you're saying would have to be that these are two separate entities, in which case there would there would still be a brand split because you couldn't have the same roster on both shows if they're on different networks. So th- that is actually very confusing the more you think about it. The, the, the co-branding is actually, that, that's the opposite way you should think about it. Well, okay, so let's say that Raw and SmackDown end up on two completely different networks, not just different channels, Different networks, like SmackDown gets sold to Fox or to CBS or something like that. You could not have the brand split and still have co-branded pay-per-views. So not only would the brand split have to go away for sure, you'd have to turn SmackDown into a whole other thing. Like it would have to be some sort of beach, like, Truly a B show, like a, a like an NXT, basically another NXT situation. Yeah, or like a superstars or a main event. I mean, because I think you could still sell it that it's going to have some people that appear on USA Network on Monday nights, but it's not a con- not necessarily a continuation of storylines, not a competing brand. I don't know, man. I don't know what you do, but it would be. It would be bad. I think it. I, I don't think there's any way that it, it's really a good situation. I really don't. It's it's gonna it's good for Vince McMahon because it means a lot of money. It's good for the stockholders because it means a lot of money. It's bad for the roster though. I'm gonna tell you why. Because NBC is gonna say if we're paying this much for your show, then no half your half your best people are on SmackDown Live. All your best people are on Raw every Monday night. So that's going to really hurt half the roster that isn't, well, quote, the, the, the best T-shirt sellers on the on the roster. Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. Man, we are really patting one another on the back tonight. Darren, um, you're, the, you're the, the best podcaster there ever was. You're a beautiful genius. Oh, my God. If I were a woman, I would, I would want to take you out for a movie and dinner. <laughs> Are you inviting me to a picture show? <laughs> if I were a woman, I would be, yes. So no, there's a lot to think about. Obviously, Vince and the boys, or just Vince himself, whoever is thinking about it. But I mean, it, I mean, it's one thing to just say well, the topic. Believe, believe you me, believe you me, it's just Vince himself. No, basically, it's him in a room, in an empty boardroom, just him talking to himself. Um, no, but I mean, I mean, obviously we, we, it's one thing to just report the headlines folks and just say, Hey, I read, I read this on WrestleZone. Uh, but no, I like to, I like to open the peanut and see what's inside and kick it around a little bit. Sometimes I eat the peanut. I, 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 uh, I enjoy that. We really, really tore that one apart and I'm sure our hashtag dear listeners also appreciated how much detail we went into just now. And if they were here right now, they would say Yes. You know what? I think if they were here right now, they might say, hey, 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 Darren and Perry, you did it. <laughs> then they would say, hey, 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 we're the monkeys. People say we monkey yeah. around. 
Uh, I hope I hope we get that, folks. Anyway, uh, speaking of details and being detail oriented, Darren Beasley, <laughs> Darren Beasley is very detail oriented, folks. And he went to Gainesville. He went to Eight Seconds. He went to the latest Fest Wrestling show, Bring Your Mom Too, and he has a lot to say about it. So let us sit beneath the tree of Beasley for Darren Beasley's review of Fest Wrestling, Bring Your Mom Too. You know, speaking of hashtag dear listeners, I would be remiss if I did not mention all of the love the whole reference show received at Best Wrestling's Bring Your Mom Too. It was a real delight to speak to a great number of our hashtag dear listeners at Fest Wrestling in Hogtown just last weekend. So I'd like to take the moment to, uh, among the many people, forgive me, Forgive me for those of you uh, whose names I forgot. Your love is dear to me and to the show. But I definitely want to uh, take the opportunity to say hello and give a whole reference show shout out to Delilah and Richard Studebaker. Also, Jameson, we really appreciate the support that you and the other fans that I uh, had the pleasure of speaking with on Saturday give to the whole reference show by listening to us each and every week. Uh, our listeners are extraordinary. We really do uh, receive a great deal of pleasure and excitement when we meet you in public, uh, whether it's at WrestleCon, at WrestleMania, at Fest, or in an email or an Instagram comment. Uh, it's, it's loads of fun. So we, we dig the fans, and uh, thanks for speaking up. Uh, it's always nice to meet you guys face-to-face. -face. Right. Uh, we, we do appreciate it for sure. I, I, I second that. Uh, thank you, Darren. And, uh, yeah, if, if Darren signs anything for you folks, you know, he, just let him sign my name too. That's fine. If I'm not there, he has my permission to forge my signature, uh, not on checks or like, you know, subpoenas or anything, but you get the idea. Well, it was pretty fun signing some autographs at Fest Wrestling. Get to put my, uh, my little scribble scrabble right there next to the likes of Effie and Joey Ryan, Saeed Al-Sabas, or Pentico, and Leva Bates. Uh, let me put my autograph on there, too. I appreciated the opportunity to do that. But I am a fan just like every one of you. Maybe you're a fan of the whole Reffin' show. Well, I'm a fan of the whole Reffin' show. And we wouldn't have been there face-to-face -face giving each other high fives and two sweets if we were not all fans of Fest Wrestling. And Fest Wrestling brought us the second rendition of Bring Your Mom. It was Bring Your Mom to T-O-O at 8 Seconds Bar and Saloon in Gainesville, Florida, a.k.a. Hogtown, on Saturday, the 12th of May, 2018. And I tried to bring my mom. I really did. But uh, my mother, she likes total Bellas. She likes total Divas. But... Uh, doesn't really like to see uh, wrestling, <laughs> actual wrestling. Right. And um, my stepmother, well, she wouldn't be caught dead <laughs> at an indie wrestling show or any wrestling show for that matter. So guess what? I brought my dad. Uh, now, any other time, I would not, uh, I would not especially point that out. Uh, but th this case is very sensitive. You brought your dad to bring your mom. 
Uh, I thought that was actually very interesting that uh, that you did that. Very cool of uh, of uh, Papa Beasley though. No relation to Papa Midnight. Shout out to Ben uh, <laughs> um, for for going to Gainesville and uh, enjoying uh, seeing the sights, taking in the fest experience. Speaking of Papa Midnight, hashtag where are you, Papa Midnight? <laughs> we haven't seen you at a fest wrestling show in some time. Get your ass to Mars and get your ass to Hogtown. Fest Wrestling misses you, Papa Midnight. This is true. But, yeah, it was great to bring my dad. And the irony was not lost on anyone. I don't think I introduced him to a single soul that day who did not say, uh, it's bring your mom. <laughs> so, <laughs> come on, come on, come on. When are, when are people going to have that opportunity to use that joke? I know. I, I mean, I did it to myself. I did it to myself. That is for sure. But, yeah. It didn't matter which one of my parents I brought. It was amazing to bring a fresh set of eyes and a fresh set of ears to all of the sights and sounds of Fest Wrestling. An outsider's perspective, and I don't mean Scott Hall and Kevin Nash's perspective. I mean a non-wrestling regular, a non-wrestling fanatic. There in eight seconds in the front row. Man. I mean, my dad was like, uh, okay, okay, dad, you have to put your, you have to put your two middle fingers together with your thumb and then you <laughs> your index finger and your pinky and you make it, it looks like a wolf's face. This... And then when the wrestler comes by, you say, too sweet. <laughs> this, this hand gesture is to signify that things are too sweet. They are too sweet. Um, so, yeah, They're I mean, excessively sweet. That's that's uh, Papa Beasley's uh, first indie show, Baptism by Fire, is what I told you. I think uh, via text message. Yes, you did. Yeah. So I, I have to say, I, I will not mention every single one of my father's reactions all night long. But there's going <laughs> to be a couple of times where I will not be able to help myself because the show and my enjoyment of the show was greatly impacted for the better. For the better, <laughs> by my father standing by my side there in the front row. And like we've said many times about fest wrestling, there are no chairs, there are no guardrails. So when you're standing front row, you are by God standing front row. Absolutely. I I, I just I would have been there uh, gladly. I, I would have flown out there had I known he was going just to see your father's uh, expression. When Joey Ryan got in the ring and said, uh, grab my dick, uh, <laughs> to Effie. So, there was so, the, the word dick, referring specifically to Joey Ryan's penis, was said by Joey Ryan, Effie, Rich Bukini, Max Gregg, and about 25 of the Fest family faithful <laughs> all night long. So it was incredible. So it was a party. Let's hear about the party, Darren. Uh, we'll 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 jump right into this party. The first match of the night was a six-man tag as those dastardly dudes from the wasteland awaken took on the hodgepodge team of Beastly, Milo Beasley, and Suge D. Now, Toto's Africa spills out of the PA system and I know that I'm at a fest wrestling show <laughs> and I know that I'm in for a good time. Right. Beastly and Milo Beasley, we have seen them team before. 
They are fan favorites. We damn sure know Beastly is a fan favorite. And tagging with Milo, uh, these guys are, are, are true baby faces uh, to the Fest family. And Suge D, he fit right in, and uh, he brought all the love. Standing on a chair right in the middle of the crowd, uh, singing along to at least 75% of Toto's Africa. Again, come for the wrestling, stay for the ridiculous. Absolutely. Shook D is a very charismatic fellow. We saw him, uh, uh, the first time we saw him at Fest was at We Are Family. And I believe there was a a thriller uh, dance-off the first time we saw him. So obviously a lot of musical elements to Shook D's performance. You know, and and that's true. And when we saw him before, I was a fan. I, I liked him. Uh, from the first time I saw him, but he really elevated himself at this show. There was something extra, uh, something a little extra out of Shug D. He really took ownership of his place on this tag team and his place on this card. Um, so he didn't just fill a slot. He he showed out. And uh, I, so I was big ups to Shug D for his performance here. Um, not only the, the, the Gaga, but, uh, but every aspect of his character. I, I mean, uh, I'm into to his look, his shtick, his routine, uh, and his wrestling ability. There's a, there's a lot going on with this character. Uh, Beastly and Milo Beasley, uh, like I said, typical fan favorites doing their thing. And Awaken, oh man, I, no one can work a room in a heel capacity like Leon, Scott, Wolf, Taylor, and Vandal. These guys <laughs> bring so much heat. I feel like I'm in a sauna whenever oh. they're around. Oh, bringing that heat from the wasteland. Oh, for sure. I, for sure. These guys are the, these, they're the embodiment of all that is heel wrestler. They're so ornery. They're so hostile. I mean, I used to think that Leon that you couldn't out hostility uh, Leon Scott, but Wolf Taylor, and I don't know if it's just from a couple of years of being browbeaten by Leon, but Wolf Taylor is one hateful son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what, you can say what you want about sticks and stones and break broken bones and words and all that and what have you. Uh, I have been both physically assaulted by Wolf Taylor uh, in the crowd and verbally assaulted. And I'll tell you what, Wolf Taylor's verbal jabs, they sting. Hey. They sting, man. Hey, words hurt, Wolf. Words hurt. Really? Wolf, I'll take you, like, trying to slap my mustache off my face any day than some of the terrible things that you said to me. That really hurt deep down in my heart. Oh, man, I don't know. Well, we should, uh, we, we got to turn you into some sort of Nia Jax character where you get a lot of sympathy uh, for, from this bully, uh, <laughs> Wolf Taylor. Well, when that day comes, me and Delilah, we will bleach our hair blonde and we will wash out our complexions and uh, <laughs> then we will deliver terrible monologues, much like Nia Jax. Fair enough, fair enough. Terribly scripted monologues. So, Leon Wolf, Vandal doing what they do best, which is being the worst. Uh, mean Muggin, the audience, and I'm sure Mean Muggin, Milo, Beastly, and Shug D. Okay, dude, I, I will say that, um, you know, Milo Beasley is kind of a punching bag in this match. Uh, 
this is the least I've really ever seen out of Beastly. Um, he, he really wasn't spotlighted a great deal, which I think was a shame. Um, but, you know, he still has a heavy presence uh, in, at, at Fest, as he always does. Still comes out to Metal Militia by Metallica, right? He does, he does. That's all that matters. When he's not coming, when he's not coming out to Toto's Africa. Uh, <laughs> I, Slightly different. I, I have to say, and, and I'm just, just full disclosure here, um, though I was a fan of Milo Beasley's a decade ago, I've never been the biggest fan of Mr. Bearsley. But on this night, I found myself cheering so damn hard for Mr. Bearsley that I, I I don't know what. I mean, he might find his way into my top ten wrestlers for the month when I uh, compile that list. Mr. Bearsley uh, is the most active participant in this match. At one point, he gets tossed up into the crow's nest at eight seconds. And then you think, oh, well, that's it. Mr. Bearsley is done. <laughs> but next thing you know, he has popped up. <laughs> he pops up his head in the crow's nest and then climbs to the ledge. And all of Awaken turns to look up at Mr. Bearsley. And then Mr. Bearsley does a huge crossbody splash and takes down all of Awaken. And that pop for a teddy bear falling <laughs> from a window onto three adult men who sell it like there's no tomorrow. That's important. Hey, this is wrestling. <laughs> so thank you, Mr. Bearsley. Thank you, Milo Beasley. Hey, you did it. That sounds and, um, tremendous. That was, that was one of the great spots of the evening. Um, you know, you, you get the, you kind of, set the crowd on fire with a lot of gaga and a lot of humor in this match. And that's totally okay. It's very welcome in the fest atmosphere. Uh, it's great for an opening match. Everybody, all six of these guys did a great job uh, or seven, all, all six of these guys and one teddy bear. <laughs> uh, everybody did a great job. Everybody got a moment in the sun. Uh, like I said, um, we, we do get to see a little, uh, we get a taste, at least a taste uh, of everyone's abilities in, uh, in this match. So everyone gets their shit in, right? Everyone gets their shit in? Well, you know, that is one way of saying it. Um, yeah. I, I'm a fan. I, you would never tell. You would never be able to tell by watching me at a fest wrestling show. But I'm a huge fan of Awaken. And, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I feel like uh, Triumph, the insult comic dog, whenever I talk about Awaken. Because I always talk about how... They're one of my favorite teams. For me to poop on! <laughs> and by for me to poop on, of course, I mean for me to extend both of my middle fingers uh, at throughout the duration of any of their matches. But I tell you what, Awaken comes out on the winning end of this match. And that's pretty cool. We figured they would. I'm sure they stooped to, to new lows to make it happen. They do, but uh, it's still, I don't know. Fest is so crowd-friendly. It is so much about the Fest family that to see a just straight-up villains just conquer, you know, I mean, we saw Leon get the, the better of Effie many times in Fest Wrestling's short but very rich history. And even with those victories from Leon Scott, 
they always still felt like we all went home happy about Effie surviving. So it was never really about Leon's victories. So this one kind of was. This was sort of a straight-up awakening, like, you awaken crowd. Awaken and acknowledge our badassery. Right. I do wonder what the awaken endgame is. Um, it could be now that there are tag team championship belts in the world of fest wrestling, uh, but there are three members of Awaken. So what does that mean? Who who goes for him? I mean, I guess Awaken officially, the tag team of Wolf Taylor and Leon Scott, seems to be more so what Awaken's all about. Vandal kind of kind of in and out depending on if he's booked at the show or not. But I mean, Vandal will be there to help out Leon or Wolf any any chance he gets. And uh, you can never you can never not count on Vandal because he'll show up at the oh, last yeah. minute and he'll he'll surprise people. Well, you know, uh, I mean, here here's a bit of fantasy booking, which we don't usually do with Fest Wrestling. But for the sake of this conversation, if Fest ran every month, and certainly if they ran every week, um, I could see a time where Vandal and Wolf were your tag team champions and Leon chased the world title in an effort to have, like, full awakened supremacy. But when you're only running six shows a year... Uh, you got to be really careful and choose choose your uh, your your victors wisely in the direction of your stories and the direction of your mainstays. You want to reward your mainstays. You want to highlight your mainstays, but you don't need to make it so obvious, you know. And I feel like putting the world title on Leon Scott at this time would be premature, as neat as it might be especially for him to take it off his old foe Effie. Absolutely. I think uh, hashtag fight forever is uh, in the cards for those two. And if Leon's going to get there one day, this night was a good place to start with that victory. Next up, we saw Drennan making his return to Fest Wrestling against Fest newcomer Darius Lockhart, the revolutionary. A lot of buzz about Darius Lockhart uh, joining that Fest Wrestling locker room all over uh, social media, Instagram, Twitter, what have you. Uh, and I was very curious to see what you had to say about him uh, wrestling because I, I don't know much about him. I, I know I know about Drennan. I've seen Drennan a few times. Uh, he pretty consistent at Fest Wrestling. He's there about every other show. It seems that, that that's the Drennan frequency. Uh, but Darius Lockhart, I really uh, I was really curious about that. So tell us about it, man. Lay it on a string bean. Well, Drennan, uh, that's the first time I've ever been called Stringbeat. I'll take it. Uh, I called you that earlier today, actually. <laughs> uh, that's the second time I've ever been called Stringbeat, and I'll still take it. Okay. It's a lot nicer than what Wolf Taylor called me. Um, <laughs> Darius Lockhart is oh, in, insta-over. Insta-over. Best family took to him like a fish to water. Um I don't know that I've ever seen anyone that insta-over in my life. Either there were far more people in the crowd familiar with Darius Lockhart's work than I was, or there was just something that oozed out of him and infected the, the, the fest crowd that night because from the moment that he came out of that curtain, the crowd was behind him. Now, is part of that how the crowd is not at all behind the despicable Drennan? Maybe. Maybe. But I think that Darius brought a lot of that love right on himself. Throwing the fist in the air, preaching the revolutionary vibe. 
um, making it very clear that he uh, he was out for change. But this was a kinder, gentler revolutionary. Darius was all smiles, gave a big hug to the woman standing directly to my right, and uh, claimed that since his mother couldn't make it, this woman would be his mom for the night. And that, uh, so, you know, and he, he revisits that idea, actually. Hey, I mean, I mean, little did you know, that was a legally binding verbal contract. And <laughs> he, he moved in with her, uh, as last I heard, and uh, she has to make him <laughs> three squares a day, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> three squares? You're not talking about Awaken, are you? <laughs> oh, take that. Yeah, you listen to Wolf, I bastard. So... <laughs> Darius and uh, and Drennan really, uh, this is a slobber knock. Slobber knock. Kind of a slow-paced match. Um, and it kind of built. This was like, this is, this is a snowball. This match is a snowball. It is the definition of building momentum, uh, of mounting tension. And there is a big, big bombastic finish as it speeds up. It's like a slow-moving train that slowly becomes a runaway. And uh, Drennan and, and Lockhart both do a good job here leading up to that to that rather raucous finish in which there's a lot of high-impact maneuvers, and Lockhart ends up going over. Oh. Now, when, we, when we talked about this with Max, Max picked Darius to win this match, and I think you and I both thought, nah, too, too new, too new, too soon. Uh, but we were wrong. Well, when, when you revisit a restaurant that you frequent, Darren, you don't, you don't, you don't switch it up. You you go with old tried and true. We we've we've sampled the menu. We know what they're serving. We're gonna we're gonna go with what we know. All right, they might have a special, something you never heard of, you know. But I mean, do you risk it though? Do do, do you go with the guarantee, or do you go with the with the halibut steak uh, and uh, and and. Uh, <laughs> potatoes all gratin. I don't. I, I, you never know. You never know. Well, I tell you what. I don't go for the potatoes all gratin just for the halibut. Oh, <laughs> playing the part of Perry Smith as Darren Beasley, folks. Oh man, yeah. Can imagine? So, can you imagine how much better the podcast would be if it were two of me talking? <laughs> Darren did not like that joke, folks. I don't like that joke. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Moving on. Well, anyway, Darius Lockhart, he endears himself to the crowd, and he starts off 1-0 in Fest Wrestling, and I think we might have uh, a bright future uh, for Darius Lockhart. No, 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 no. Screw that. Screw that. Darius, you're undefeated. Retire. Retire undefeated (laughs) (laughs) is what I would do. I would immediately retire undefeated. That is what you would do, isn't it? It is. It is. Now, this next match was pretty wicked. This match, I think, was everything I wanted it to be and more. Uh, we saw this tag team matchup of two very unconventional tag teams, Holodead and Kiera Hogan. As soon as you said wicked, I knew it had to include Holodead. Oh, you better believe it. And there is no lack of wickedness on this night. Uh, as Holodead and Kiera Hogan take on Ariel Monroe and Leva Bates. Now... What is confusing is I had no idea who to cheer for. <laughs> now, take that as a criticism. If you, if you like, maybe it is a criticism. 
I don't necessarily think it hurt the match. I'm not being critical when I say it, but I have to be honest. This is the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The so, only I've, one. so I've heard. And so I don't know who I was supposed to cheer for here. I would have assumed, based on Fest Wrestling past, that I'd be cheering for Ariel Monroe and Leva Bates. Because other than Leva kind of kind of sticking it to Effie with the copycat routine, Leva is a, a Fest darling. And Ariel Monroe has been sweet as molasses pie ever since she debuted. And meanwhile, Holodead all by herself is just nastiness incarnate. And with Kira Hogan at her side, that firecracker I thought would be just enough to light Holodead's fuse. So I was thinking there were clear cut good guys and bad guys here. Not the case. Yeah. I've seen a couple pictures on Instagram and Twitter from this match, and I appreciate the fact that Holodead and Kira Hogan, even though they don't typically tag a team together, first time I've ever heard of it happening, they still coordinated the gear. I so I appreciate when they still coordinate the, the gear colors. The only thing this match lacked for me is is a lack of a spotlight for Leva. I'm such a big fan, and she is a friend of the show. And uh, to have been in the main event at the last show, I thought this sort of diminished her her role a little bit. Um, she played a, a key role in this match, and this match was excellent. I just would have liked a little more Leva. Ho- I mean, you could say the same about Holodead. She was a uh, main event against Sue Young so many shows ago. Well, you, totally, and you you can say that. And, and, so- and Barn Burner, and Barn Burner with Rachel Ellering uh, a couple shows later. Uh, okay. I, I, I think that goes without saying for th- sure. I think half. But- I think all these people deserve to be in the main event. I think for now on. Now on every fest wrestling show is a is a twenty man woman scramble, <laughs> which I can see happening. Man, the the fest wrestling loves their scrambles. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't? Um, <laughs> I, uh, uh, I, I, I know who doesn't. I know who doesn't. Jason Cade. Jason Cade does not like the scrambles <laughs> at fest wrestling. Too true. Too true. Okay. Uh, and Jason, we still don't miss you, whipping boy. Oh. Uh, all right. Oh. So. Again, Darren Holodad, has the mustache. Darren's the one with the mustache. Holodead and Kiara Hogan are over like Rover. I mean, the crowd was super hot for the antics of Holodead and Kiara Hogan, who really did make a bang-up team. Ariel Monroe... This is, I think, this is what I first noticed. Is like, Leva can kind of go either way, heel or baby. But Ariel, like I said, we've gotten to know her as such a baby face. And I don't know that it was like a nasty type of heel, but it certainly was a, a boastful, prideful Ariel Monroe that we got on this night. And that was so different than what I, at least, have come to, to be used to. Um, and on the other hand, we get to see the baby face Holodead. So anyway, good match. There's a whole lot of back and forth before the match ever begins. But once the fists start flying, this is a brutal match. And Ariel definitely gets hers. Um, this, the, and I, like I said, I would, uh, I would definitely be mentioning my father uh, at different points during this, uh, this night in, in, in Gainesville. Please tell me that Holodead tried to lick your father's face when you came to the ring. Uh, if only, if only. <laughs> but I will say, but I will say of the four women, 
I knew one of them had to zero in on my dad because they were like, one of these things is not like the others. <laughs> and sure enough, sure enough, at one point, Ariel is being beaten ridiculously so, and she's stumbling around on the outside of the ring, and she collapses into my dad's arms. Aww. And then as she like tries to gather herself, she's like pointing her finger in his face and still leaning up against him, and she says, "My mom's my mom lives in Clearwater. Call her." <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I and I and that got that probably got the biggest pop out of my dad the whole night. <laughs> uh, I was as soon as she made in his direction, I was like, "Uh oh." Yeah, I had a feeling uh, someone would zero in on your dad, and it's like one of those. It's like a a part in like a horror movie where someone's like incognito at a cult, and then all of a sudden the leader goes, "Wait a minute, who among us, <laughs> who among us goes to bed by nine p.m. typically? You." <laughs> exactly. Okay. And that's what Ariel Monroe did. Uh, <laughs> There were really big spots in this match, and that was a credit to all four of these uh, young women. But in the end, Holiday and Kiera Hogan win. Whoa. You, you, me, and Max all picked Ariel and Leva to win this match, so we were off base. But you know why? We None of us had any faith in the ability of Kiera and Holiday to coexist, and yet they were by far the more cohesive team. Yeah, we said Holiday and Kira Hogan individually have plenty, plenty of uh, can-do, but together would that work? And uh, we all kind of went with Ariel and Leva. Also, you know, just had Leva on the show. She's a sweetheart, so it's kind of hard to, to go against friends of the show. Again, Holiday's been on the show before, too, folks, and she threatened our very lives, so we can't we can't always go. <laughs> we won't be bullied into voting for, for Holiday. Um, so that's interesting that you say that. that. That that's actually very surprising and very interesting that you say Hollow Dead and Nakira Hogan, uh, Hoga did, <laughs> did pretty well together. No, they really did, and it's not just the the mental uh, intimidation uh, of of Hollow Dead. The way that the match is won with Hollow Dead pancaking Leva Bates, I thought Leva might never recover <laughs> from being dropped on her face like that. Um, that was a pretty gnarly finish. Uh, really uh, a hell of a way for Holiday and Kiara Hogan to go over in this match. But they do. And next on the card is, as scheduled, a triple threat match for the number one contendership to the Fest Wrestling World Championship. A match scheduled to be DJZ versus Serpentico versus Saeed Al-Sabah. But, hashtag, where are you, DJZ? <laughs> he was not there. DJZ, not in the house, so our triple threat match becomes mano y mano as Serpentico, friend of the show, a.k.a. Jonathan Cruz, a.k.a. Lucha Cruz, of the Lucha World Order. Of Team Lucha? And he takes on Saeed Al-Sabah, who has risen 
in a meteoric fashion in my personal favorite list of uh, all professional wrestlers, uh, really, but especially on the independent circuit. This one-on-one match is amazing. This is a fast wrestling classic. I mean, this it's an instant classic. Mark this one down. We'll be talking about this one for a long time. Serpentico, not the Serpentico that we've come to know and love. Serpentico, I, something got the better of him. The opportunity, the, the vanity, uh, the, the pressure, something took over. And Serpentico gets real nasty, full-on heel nasty on Saeed al-Sabah. I have not seen chair shots to the head like this in a minute, let me tell you. Yeah, I mean, I um, you told me your report on the way back from Fest Wrestling, and I was very surprised to hear about this. I saw pictures on the internet um again i mean a lot of a lot of stuff about uh serpentico's a uh, big big heel turn old sir jerkico uh they're starting to call him now they're not calling him that i did uh <laughs> but you know what i saw i saw this whole thing coming darren i'll be honest with you i saw serpentico uh turning on his audience showing his true colors uh a while back you know why because he's a snake because he's a snake, for one. For two, he never retweets. Never retweets our stuff. Uh, so I knew that deep down, Serpentico was this dark, dark character uh, with with bad, bad oozing out of him. Uh, so uh, with, with, bad, with bad Twitter etiquette? Bad, well, bad Twitter etiquette, first and foremost. Uh, so that's, that, that's no good. How uncouth of you, Serp. Very uncouth. But, I mean, you can't deny Serpentico's ability. I mean, this guy is just doing... Excellent work in the ring, no matter where he goes. But we've seen it in person, live and in person uh, at Fest Wrestling. But to, to fight Saeed Al Sabah, who who all of a sudden, kind of out of nowhere, is becoming like this like major player in Fest Wrestling. And you know, I'm sure a lot of people were let down that DJZ was a no show. That's unfortunate, and hopefully the reasons were you know not anything too political. Um, or Sir Jerkico-ish. But, I mean, Serpentico and Saeed Al-Sabah having to call an audible and just put on an amazing one-on-one match in spite of, you know, I mean, more or less a lot of anticipation for DJZ just showing up at Fest Wrestling. I'm sure a lot of people are looking forward to it. But for them to put on this good of a match, this high caliber of a match, in spite of that, speaks volumes of Serpentico and Saeed Al-Sabah. It most definitely does. And uh, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take credit for uh, the ascent of Saeed Al-Sabah. <laughs> I think that's fair. And I think Saeed Al-Sabah would agree that you are responsible for all of his <laughs> all of his earnings, not his well, hard work. Several months ago, several months ago, I set my sights on Saeed Al-Sabah and I said, that guy, right. that one, that guy needs to be at the top of this card. And I made a vision board. I made a vision board that centered around Saeed (laughs) Al-Sabah climbing to the top of the Fest Wrestling Mountain. Now, I I, I love Effie no less than I ever have, but it takes two to tango, and Effie needs a damn good dance partner, and I couldn't think of a better one than Saeed Al-Sabah. But in order to get that shot to dance with Effie in the pale moonlight... (laughs) <laughs> Sabah had to defeat the new great 
hostile threat of Serpentico. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sir Jerkico. Okay, Sir Jerkico <laughs> and his orchestra of steel chairs. Not only steel chairs, but the world famous, dare I say, infamous doors of Fest Wrestling. <laughs> and I don't, not, nothing to do with Jim Morrison or Aldous Huxley. I mean everything to do with Gainesville, Florida, Tony Weinbender, and apparently the uh, old door impresario of North Florida. <laughs> who must be a close personal friend of Tony's. Right. Tony Weinbender, promoter, uh, owner of Fest Wrestling. Uh, he, he must have a door guy. He must have a door guy somewhere because instead of tables, you typically get doors at Fest Wrestling. And uh, that's uh, it, it, has, it has a charm. It has a certain charm about it. So in spite of Serpentico, I mean Sir Jericho, stooping down to new lows and and uh, unthinkable lows for Serpentico, chairs, doors, uh, Saeed Al-Sabah endures? He does. He even endures this spot where Serpentico sets up a pyramid of steel chairs at ringside, putting Sabah on top, and then suicide diving into the giant disaster zone. <laughs> I, I mean, th that was dangerous as hell. I'm just going to say that was dangerous as hell. And uh, I'm glad that any of them survived that, including the eight or 10 fans that were in the danger zone there. Uh, the immediate fallout area of flinging metal chair legs. <laughs> but uh, yes, yeah, Sabah survives and thrives. Sabah comes out on top. He does, uh, I, I guess, what is uh, sort of like a blockbuster. Uh, he turns the tables, and by tables I mean doors, on Serpentico, and they both crash onto, not through, but crash onto a door uh, suspended between two metal chairs, and that was a nasty hit. You ever seen somebody belly flop off of like a 20 foot high diving board that's what it looked like when these two guys hit that door and it didn't even crack Ouch. much less shatter and these two these two excellent athletes competitors just boom boom <laughs> but i don't know there's there's a certain there's a certain je ne sais quoi when you see that type of thing happen in wrestling where you don't get the satisfying crunch of, of, of the break. Instead, you get that weird, oh, moment where everybody cringes like, this is somehow worse. And that, that's important, too, because if every uh, sidebar here, if every table broke the way it's supposed to, or, I don't know, chair caved in the way it was supposed to, or you know, door came to the way it was supposed to. I think it adds to the legitimacy of the, the, the wrestling business because, you know, your, your, your dance partner, your wrestling uh, opponent might cooperate with you, but doors aren't going to fucking cooperate every time. Tables aren't going to cooperate every time. Chairs aren't going to cooperate every time. So but to me, whenever that happens, it's always kind of a reminder like, yeah, Doors are built to be sturdy. <laughs> Humans aren't supposed to go through doors, which actually that's not true. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> You're not supposed to go through a door in that fashion. Yeah, not supposed to go through a door when it's uh, horizontal. 
and off its hinges. Indeed. But it sounds like Serpentico is now officially off his hinges, but Saeev endured the doors, and he's moving on. This makes him the best wrestling championship number one contender, does it not? That is so exciting. Uh, I think we're going to see Saeev Al-Sabah take on Effie for his championship at Xmas in July 2. That is if Effie survived this night uh, here at Bring Your Mom To. Ah, we might have to get uh, Saeev on the show between now and then. I don't know. I'll call some people. Call, uh, well, call Saeev. Uh, <laughs> oh, I guess that's a person I should probably call. Okay. Don't just call some people. I mean, I can call <laughs> some people. Well, let's call somebody attached to Saeev Al-Sabah. Okay. Next up on the card, we have the defense of the Fest Wrestling Championships by those gymnastiest of boys, Timmy Lou Retton and White Mike. Oh, man. Bag that ass up, coming through the PA as the gymnasties prepare to defend those newly won titles against Whack, 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 the Ugly Ducklings! Rob Killjoy and Lance Lude, as always, with the indefatigable Coach Mikey, are challenging their rivals unlike any other rivals. I tell you, this rivalry is what dreams are made of. It's um, it's hard to compare uh, another uh, tag team rivalry that that I that I enjoy as much as this tag team rivalry. Like I'm I'm thinking back. I mean, there's, there's, it's just like watching like Harlem Heat take on the Steiner brothers in WCW or something like that. Like, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, like I mean, because uh, man, like it's it's classic every time you watch it. And then there's always somehow they've wrestled a billion times, but every time you watch their matches, there's always something you haven't seen before. And I, I think that that says a lot about uh, these two tag teams. Oh, that says everything about these guys' ability. I've never seen a match with these two tag teams in it, that was anything like another match that I'd seen with these two tag teams in it. Right. These guys are not wash, rinse, and repeat at all. These guys are masters of the craft, all four of them. So because we're not seeing a a, a Xerox copy or a Ditto Machine uh, facsimile uh, of a previous Ducks Nasties match, that means we're, we're treated to all sorts of uh, aerial maneuvering. Nobody flies like the ducks. They really don't. But nobody flips and flops like the gymnasty boys. The gymnastics part of their name is, it's not just a gimmick, people. It is not just a gimmick. <laughs> These two men are not small men, and yet they move like those four-foot-eight Olympic female gymnasts. I mean, there is an absolute, uh, almost stunning athleticism to the gymnasty boys. (laughs) And um, it's matched only by their absolute rottenness. I mean, there is something rancid about the worldview uh, espoused by these two men. They are just grotesque. Right. Is that really the only word to describe it? And they live large. They live large and they fight hard. Uh, they didn't win those championships by accident. 
Right. They um, there's a lot of adjectives to uh, describe the gymnasty boys, and and oddly enough, graceful is actually a word I would use to to describe the gymnasty boys. And they 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 fly through the air the greatest of ease, and uh, they they can bend and twist like no other. The the ducks though, man, they 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 got more sky miles than Delta, right? Because they're uh, <laughs> they're flying around doing their doing their thing. Man, and these two tag teams are intense, too. Again, these two teams disarm you with their wacky antics. And, like, if, if you don't know any better, you don't take either one seriously until that bell rings. And then they are all business inside that squared circle. And uh, they put on a show every time. I, I've, I've never seen these these teams phone it in. Not once. Uh, they always really give a shit about giving the, the audience uh, not just a match, but an experience. Um, and again, I will never get tired of these two wrestling each other. No, there's nothing. There, there's nothing to get tired of. It's not like we said before. It's not the same match. It's not a boring match. It's not a slow match. Uh, it's not a comedy match. There's a lot of humor that resides in the gimmicks of these individuals. There's a lot of inherent comedy uh, in their personas, but there is a true fighting spirit. Uh, in both of these teams, that is old school to the bone. Oh yeah. And when you are when you're truly old school, that means you sell this shit like a sport. And I believe I'll take it to the grave that these two tag teams, the Gymnasty Boys and the Ugly Ducklings, fight like it's a sport. Like their careers depend on it. Like they're like they're very existence of their fans depend on it like their purse that they win at the end of the night depends on it there is a reality that is present to the battles between the ducks and the nasties that i just have to 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 bow down and throw up two hands of praise to these teams they they're really doing something special uh for, for the world of professional wrestling these days. Absolutely, 100% agree with that. Uh, and this this match is big uh, for the Ugly Ducklings for a couple of reasons. One, the obvious, you know, the Fest Wrestling Tag Team Championship belts. They want to add that to the uh, to their resume. Hashtag all the grilled cheeses. Um, but also, did you realize Bring Your Mom 2 is the uh, one-year anniversary for the Ducks in Fest Wrestling? They made their debut at Bring Your Mom Uno, that's the first one. That's the first one for my non-Spanish speaking hashtag dear listeners. Uh, Yeah, man, I remember that first match. Hell yeah, that that first match with the Ducks is still one of my favorite fest wrestling matches, and that's saying a lot. I've seen a lot of awesome matches at fest wrestling, but that initial match with what Team Lucha, 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 the Ugly Ducklings, uh, Roscoe eat Lisa. And tech, that was that 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 match was just fucking bananas, and you know ever since then the ducks have never slowed down. It's always been that kind of intensity, and I, I appreciate the hell out of that. Yeah, that wow man, that was an excellent match. But so is this match here a year later, the year anniversary of the debut of the Ugly Ducklings in Fest Wrestling. They're going for the gold. They're going for all the grilled cheeses. And the match does not disappoint. Like I said, gymnasty's always a bit prone 
to uh, using dirty tactics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we we I, I spent a minute earlier uh, praising the gymnastics part of their name. Now let's focus on the nasty part of their name, and it is that they will do whatever it takes uh, to uh, cheat, lie, and steal uh, in an effort to put themselves over and to keep those championships where they belong. And the thing about it is, on this night, Mikey comes to the rescue of his ducks. And Coach Mikey says, if they're going to cheat, so will we. (laughs) Nice. Right? Ducks fly together, ducks cheat together. And at one point, the ducks save their chances at grabbing the titles by pulling the referee out of the ring. It's the only thing that stops the three count. And I was I was proud of the Ducks for stepping up and fighting fire with fire. Because in a fight, with all the grilled cheeses on the line, you got to do what it takes to win. This is and, true. This is true. But can can you really cheat? Uh, I'm kind of looking back now at all the fest wrestling that I've watched over the years. Uh, almost years, plural. Um, I don't think anyone's ever been disqualified for cheating <laughs> in all of fest wrestling. Well, I mean, I, I use the term cheat loosely. Right, here. right, right. I, I, I will say there have been plenty of cheap wins, uh, but I, I, won't, I won't say that anyone cheated. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, it's, it's less about cheating, it's less about disqualification, but there is something unsportsmanlike when you uh, deliberately interrupt the actions of the referee. Uh, uh, because at I least, agree with that. At least the referee and his three count should be sacred. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Even if there's no tag format, even if there's no disqualification based on the use of weapons, <laughs> even if there's no count out, you should at least uh, respect the sanctity of the three count. Yeah, you, you should respect right. the referees, which there are several at Fest Wrestling. Uh, uh, old Frankie G, Frank Gastineau, uh, <laughs> I always feel bad for him trying to keep order in that ring, and sometimes he pays the price for trying to do his job. So uh, shout out to Frankie G. Well, what ends up happening is that the original referee is taken out of the picture, which means we get the referee that we saw appear um, just at the last show, a new referee, and he makes his way out to the ring finally. There's a huge gap between the disappearance of the original referee and the arrival of this referee, the second referee. And I kind of thought to myself, this guy, again, this guy, why does he have on another shirt and a bow tie underneath his referee shirt? (laughs) Somebody please smarten him up and get him in the right gear. (laughs) No sooner did that thought go through my head then this referee pulls up at two. Oh, yes. After slowly making his way to the ring and counting one, two, even though there's no kick out, the referee then gets up on his knees, climbs to his feet, while a smile slowly comes over his face. And I think to myself, what? <laughs> totally, totally and completely unprepared for this swerve was I. And I was not alone at the show on this night. The Fest Wrestling family did not see this coming. 
No sooner did this quote-unquote referee pull off his zebra stripes than two of the largest men to ever grace a fest wrestling ring storm the ring and devastate the Gymnasty Boys and the Ugly Ducklings. That videotape footage I did see, and it was uh, hard to watch. Hard to watch. There wasn't a lot the, the Ducks and the Gymnasty Boys could do. They were already pretty fatigued from their battle, and then these two very fresh, very large men into the ring, and uh, they they kind of devastated. They absolutely did. They wiped the canvas with the two top tag teams in Fest Wrestling, as if to say, hey, take notice, we're going to be the top tag team in Fest Wrestling. And the man that we formerly thought was the ill-dressed referee... Uh, On the microphone, he introduces himself as the Tommy Thomas and the other two individuals as Montana Black and TJ Boss. And again, the size, the size and like the intimidation factor of the size of these men kind of left me speechless. Then add to it just the brutality with which they tore apart uh, White Mike, Timmy Luretton, Lance Lude, and Rob Kiljoy. It was uh, it was tough. It was tough to watch. And then what may have been the coolest part of all is after doing all this damage, the two of them simply climb out of the ring, walk through the crowd, and out the back door of Eight Seconds Saloon. Wow. And I and I thought, well, whoever the hell they are. That is one hell of an introduction. (laughs) I'd say so. Now, there's a lot of downsides to this. You know, Ugly Ducklings, they lose their opportunity to gain the Fest Wrestling Tag Team Championships. Gymnasties, they lose their opportunity to to put a defense under their their white and gold belts. Uh, And also... None of our picks really count. Yeah, that, that's probably the worst part. That's that's the worst part of all of this. I mean, it, it's it's obviously worse news, well, for us, but obviously the Ugly Ducklings. <laughs> obviously the Ducks, because they want them tag belts, uh, but uh, Timmy, Lou, Rhett, and White Mike, did, did they retain their belts after this fiasco? Then they're fine. <laughs> they're fine with no, uh, that's true. keeping that's the championship true. belts around them waists, or the waists of a stripper, whatever they want to do with those. <laughs> The less we know, the better. Less we know, the better, Gymnasties. <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and disagree and say the more we know, the better. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. The more you know. <laughs> the more you don't know. <laughs> this is one of those rare no contests in Fest Wrestling, though, and uh, it, it leaves everybody kind of stunned. Well, this is one of those oh. rare referee turns out to be a, a psychotic manager with uh, two wrecking balls as his uh, tag team clients. Uh, so I can see where things are a little bit, uh, a little new for Fest Wrestling. Uh, but I, I do like where this is going. Unfortunately, uh, there was some collateral damage with the Ducks and the Gymnasties, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see where this is, uh, where this is going. Yeah, I am really excited to see where this is going. Well, we are now at the penultimate match of the evening. Angel Rose making a triumphant singles return to Fest Wrestling, finally healed up, ready for action, 
ready for a one-on-one matchup, taking on Rachel Ellering, which you already put over earlier, discussing her match with Holiday from Fest Wrestling We Are Family, and I second that. Angel Rose versus Rachel Ellering is a tantalizing matchup on paper and even better once the bell rings. Angel Rose not missing a step, not missing a step. You know, we worried that she might be delicate. We might, we worried that she might be rusty. Um, any of those, uh, ugly words that you attach to someone when they, when they come back, it's, it's not, uh, it's not ridicule. It's, it's concern, right? It's, it's concern for their health. It's concern for the career that they had before an injury. You want to see someone, um, uh, return and, and, and excel. And, uh, it, it doesn't always happen. And so there, there's some trepidation sometimes, and we clearly express that trepidation about Angel Rose's return, but put all of that to bed because she is ready, willing, and able to deliver. And she fights Rachel Ellering tooth and nail. Rachel also making the very most of her opportunity here back in front of a fest wrestling audience. Um, both of these ladies are over. The crowd is very hot and behind both of them. Uh, and they take it to one another. Both of these women are fighting for keeps. I would expect no less from either one of these two combatants. Uh, I mean, I've, I've seen video of this. I, I think the video that I've I've most seen from a thousand different angles by now is uh, Angel Rose hitting sliced bread on Rachel Ellering on the outside, which looked really, really cool. It did look cool. Those videos are great, and it was cool to see that in person. Um, I definitely... Uh, turned to my father and said, that girl just ran up that wall. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's, uh, that's physically impressive uh, when human beings uh, can pull off shit that makes them look like they're in the Matrix. Right. Uh, uh, any, any way you want to describe it uh, is a fitting way. And uh, even, all, even, all, even being at a loss for words is a fitting way to describe that type of physicality. In the end, Angel Rose takes the victory, though. So her return is not only triumphant in its execution, it is triumphant in its follow-through as she takes home the W. And Angel Rose got to be happy to be back fighting at Fest and bringing home the W. Rachel Ellering coming up short. That's too bad in terms of W's and L's. But uh, I hope Rachel Ellering will return she, she definitely has a place in Fest Wrestling. There's something uh, unique that she can offer with her hard-hitting, hard-nosed style. Um, just to see her, uh, her footwork in the ring uh, is spectacular. Uh, it's really telling of all of her ability. Right. I mean, that's someone that, uh, for those who don't know, it's someone who grew up in the business. Uh, her father, uh, Paul Ellering. Uh, former manager of uh, AOP, Office of Pain, and NXT, now WWE. Um, so, I mean, that's that's a, a woman who's been around the business her entire life. So it's only natural that she become a wrestler. And it, it, she she's not just kind of living off her name either. Like, she's a phenomenal competitor. So it's it's very cool that she uh, she is still in the business and is still working very hard at it. Um, she 
deserves all the accolades she has and all the ones she's going to get in the future. Angel Rose, uh, same thing, man. She is, she's awesome. It's not for nothing that this isn't that the penultimate match as Darren often says. Um, and Angel Rose, you can catch a fest wrestling Angel Rose. You can catch an impact wrestling. So the word is out on angel. Everyone, everyone appreciates her abilities. I know that I do. But next, dear listeners, friends of the show, Fast Family, wrestling fans all over the world, it is your Fest Wrestling, bring your mom to Fest Wrestling World Championship match and your main event as Fest Wrestling World Champion, the golden boy of grab-ass Effie, defends his title against the King of Dong style, Joey Ryan. I just love everything about that statement, as I pointed out on Twitter uh, recently. (laughs) Oh, man, so great. Everybody wins. Everybody wins uh, with this match, except for the two that are competing for the gold. Only one of them can win. And Effie made it abundantly clear that he was not afraid of any dick. (laughs) <laughs> there was no dick in the world of which Effie had fear. Hmm. I think of a famous tough Richard, but I can't think of one. Anyway, you, you get the joke. Nah, well, you know, I sometimes I wonder what how would Effie respond if somebody threw John Wayne Bobbitt's dick at him? Probably <laughs> he'd be horrified, as anyone should be. A, a, there's 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 a there's a timely reference a to, a 25 year old hey hey remember when OJ was on trial Darren oh man ah, how about that Tanya Harding have you seen this have you heard about this <laughs> we're both wearing ties and stranding them whoa hey whoa <laughs> oh Monica Lewinsky in the news whoa oh wow <laughs> how about those Wright brothers I hear they're building <laughs> Did you hear about? Did you hear about Ugg? He invented fire. Now we can cook our food. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to let it be known that news broadcasting existed before fire existed. It apparently, did. it did. Okay, that's great. That's uh, that's really dumb. Okay, I apologize, to greatest, your listeners. If the greatest inventor of the time, Ugg, uh, <laughs> had a name, I wonder what the broadcasters' names were. <laughs> Probably also Ugg. All named Ugg. It was a very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, made, they made it work. If anybody said Ugg, then you heard Huh? 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 <laughs> and then, except for those two, uh, those two carny sounding fellows who keep playing, who keep adjusting their tie knots. <laughs> oh dear. Well, so- Effie and Joey Ryan. Uh, <laughs> Not inventing fire, not tugging on their ties, but there will be a lot of tugging on dicks before this match is over. And I can say that. Legally, I am allowed to say that because I'm simply calling it like it is. In fact, I'm calling it right down the middle. Well, that's because we... this right here yeah. that you're listening to, uh-huh. this is the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. True. And if there's dick tugging, there's dick tugging. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't invent it. You know, that was Ugg. Ugg <laughs> um, I, I believe Ugg invented fire and the dick tug. I, I do think dick tugging existed before fire existed. But anyway. Dick 
Tug. Is that a nighttime Bobby Day's tag team partner? <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> here, we, here we go. What are you here to listen to, folks? All right. So Effie. Effie, right? Right. right. Not Dick Tug. Um, Not Dick Tug. Effie. Taking on Joey Ryan. And this match is everything we wanted it to be. Effie did make it abundantly clear that he was not afraid of any dick, which meant he was not afraid of Joey Ryan's bionic dick. He was not afraid of his magic dong or whatever other attributes you want to uh, to give the uh, Pinasia of Joseph Ryan, Esquire. Um, <laughs> and like you said, Perry, uh, on our preview show, this match is really, at the end of the day, this match is just as important for Joey Ryan as it is Effie. Not just because it's a championship match, but because we knew. We knew what Fest Wrestling offers up, and we know what Effie's all about. This was not going to be a show-up, dick-flip, one-two-three kind of match. I don't say that to diminish the career of Joey Ryan. I don't. Right. In fact, his multi-million dollar Los Angeles home says, even if I wanted to try and diminish his career, I couldn't. <laughs> but that is not what I'm doing. That is not my intention. I'm simply saying the man has a style, the man has a shtick, and this match was going to demand more than that. Right? Right. I mean, that all alone, that gimmick puts asses in seats. But we knew the Fest atmosphere and the Fest champion were going to demand more. Right. And they did demand more, and Joey Ryan delivered more. I was so excited when Effie and Joey began to circle one another in the ring, sliding across that canvas almost like a couple of amateur wrestlers or a couple of ancient Greek wrestlers. They circled like a couple of heavyweight boxers. There was a, there was a shocking, shocking legitimacy to the start of this match. At the start start, at the very ringing of the bell, it seemed so ironic that it was almost, that I was afraid it was almost going to take me out of it. But as soon as I had that thought, I was reeled right back in. There was an air of legitimacy to this match that is so pleasantly surprising. They pulled it off so well. Uh, Joey Ryan knew that this match needed to be different than a Joey Ryan match. And I think that that's what made it so damn good. Right. I mean, you you have to have... Every wrestler has their spots, right? I mean, whether you're Joey Ryan or The Undertaker or Stone Cold Steve Austin or... Charlotte Flair, you've got to have your spots that everyone's looking for, everyone's counting on, everyone wants to see, but the beats, you know, the, the, to get there have to be different from match to match. Otherwise, it would be the same match over and over again. And I, I knew that the beats in this match between Effie and Joey Ryan, they would, they would be not only different, but very unique, which is why I was, I was most looking forward to this match. And, of course, when you say the beats, you do not mean... Ooh, killer tofu. Right. I do not mean the 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 beats from the hit TV series Doug. Uh, I do not mean that. No. Uh, no. I, of course you don't mean that. Uh, why would you? Um, but uh, <laughs> the the 
match is uh, all, all that it's cracked up to be. Um, I can't say enough good things about it. Effie is a real wrestler. Joey Ryan is a real wrestler. This is a real wrestling match. Does it have its its dick flip moments? Yeah, it does. Frank Gastineau gets in on the action. Effie does succumb to the dick flip, despite all protests. He does. <laughs> he does. He does get flipped around by it. But the sassitude, the the the, the deep rooted sassitude of Effie is enough to overcome. Effie defeats Joey Ryan. That's a big win. It's that, a big win. That is a big win. And a major defense of that Fest Wrestling title. Effie struggled hard for a year and a half to overcome the true evil that is Leon Scott and Awaken. But ever since his ascent to the top of the mountain, taking apart Sue Young, Leva Bates, and now Joey Ryan... The proof is in the pudding, dear listeners. Effie is the man. Effie is a man for all seasons. And he is your Fest Wrestling World Champion. That's right. In the end, it comes down to just Joey Ryan want to win it more than Effie wants to keep it. And uh, again, Effie's been through so much <laughs> since the beginning of Fest Wrestling. And, you know, everywhere else Effie wrestles, too. I mean, he's... He's getting bigger and bigger matches. He's getting more and more of a fan base. So I think a lot more eyes are on Effie. So I think his career, it's reaching a point where he can't let anyone down. And, you know, his self included. So he holds on to the belt. And he is still your Fest Wrestling Champion. Effie, well done. And now we have to wait two months, dear listeners, before Xmas in July 2 Coming to you live from Gainesville, Florida, on the 21st of July, we have the second annual Xmas in July. And that main event is set to be the defending Fest Wrestling Champion Effie against the number one contender, Saeed Al-Sabah. Who knows what else will be on that show? You know it'll be a stacked card. Fest never fails to deliver. This is true. Very, very true. If you are in the Florida, Georgia... Uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, Alabama uh, area. Why not? If you're in the North America area. Right. (laughs) If you're on the Earth area, uh, why not hit up Fest Wrestling? Uh, It is a lot of fun. So start making plans to to visit old 8 Seconds in Gainesville, Florida. And uh, crispy July. Ooh, it's going to be crispy. I will say that. Uh, so that's that. Darren, thank you so much for going to Fest. I know you had a good time and uh, enjoyed talking to some of the fans of our show, which that's awesome, who are, of course, also fans of Fest Wrestling, more importantly, uh, for this Fest event. And uh, also meeting up with all of our hashtag friends of the show and some of our future friends of the show, uh, competitors who are on hand as well. And, uh, man, I, I hope that I can get there in July to this uh, next show. I'm tired of missing Fest shows. I'm tired of the secondhand, uh, secondhand news when it comes to Fest Wrestling. To, to be there, to experience it, to enjoy it, that is, that is obviously the best-case scenario. But if you can't be there, Pivot Share, baby. Find Fest Wrestling on Pivot Share and uh, YouTube, of course. And buy some Fest Wrestling merchandise online at uh, festwrestling.com. Well... What an episode, Darren. 
It's a hell of an episode. I, uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm almost as exhausted as I was actually attending the Fest show. I, I tell you, I really get worked up about Fest wrestling. I can tell you're very passionate about Fest wrestling. What's the, what's there not to be passionate about? I will say. Um, I'm passionate about passion. <laughs> Were you at Fest wrestling? Let us know. How can you let us know? There are a lot of ways. Find us on Twitter at Refn Show Podcast, R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook, like and share. We'd appreciate that. If you want to send us a Gmail, hey, you can. At the whole Refn Show at gmail.com, T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com or find us on the Instagram at the whole Refn Show. T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W. O-W. Instagram is a very fun playground for dear listeners and friends of the show. Of what show? The only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole Reffin Show. And that's where you can join in on the festivities and all other wrestling-related phenomena. The whole Reffin Show on Instagram. You'll be glad you did. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you joining us on our 85th installment of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole. That's Ocho Cinco. That's Ocho Cinco. So we should probably tweet this out to Chad Ocho Cinco. Right? We should. We should. <laughs> so that's right, folks. So join us next week for the 86th. Oh, which that means death when you 86 something. Uh, hopefully nothing bad happens between now and then, folks. Uh, so tune in next week. Uh, until then, and after then, hopefully, I will be Perry Smith. And I will be Darren Beasley. And we will see you next week, folks. Thank you for tuning in. So long. Ciao, man. Like, none of that makes sense to me. Like, how how would they acquire the rights? Hold on, my neighbors are having sex above me, guys. Give me a second here. <laughs> That's fun. That's a lot of fun. Don't worry, it won't last more than five more minutes. Oh, take that, guy upstairs. <laughs> <laughs>